We are so glad that you have chosen to stream this audio, and we hope it will encourage you in your faith and your walk towards Christ-likeness. As a side note, we pray that this audio sermon is just supplemental in your relationship with Christ, and in no way replaces the church you are plugged into or the pastor that God has put in your life to shepherd and care for your soul. And so with that said, please enjoy this sermon. We have prayed that God would use it in your life. Amen, amen. Well, it's good to have you with us this morning. Uh, If you do have a Bible, uh, if you have a hard copy or you've got a device next to you uh, that you can pull up the Bible on your phone through the YouVersion Bible app uh, or maybe the ESV Bible app through Crossway, Uh, by the way, I'd encourage you to download one of those uh, so that uh, whenever you do come back to church, we won't have those hard copy Bibles for a while in the pews uh, just to continue to keep people safe. And so we're asking that you bring a Bible with you or download one on your phone that you can follow along with while also have the verses on the screen uh, behind me once we resume in-person services as well. So uh, we'll have it available in some way, shape, or form. Uh, And then as always, if you don't own a Bible, uh, we do have hard copies that we would love to give you. Uh, We just won't have those in the pews, and so please feel free to let us know. We'd love to give you a copy of the scriptures so that you can follow along as well. But turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. We're going to be finishing out Luke chapter 6 this morning. So we're about a fourth of the way through the gospel. Gospel of Luke. Luke is the longest of the Gospels, and uh, Luke is is really uh, writing with this goal of showing us who Jesus is and why that matters for us, and then also uh, helping us to understand that we can believe the things that we have heard about Jesus, that they're rock-solid truths that we can build our lives on, that we can take this to the bank, that these things that we're hearing about Christ, that they are rock-solid, that they can provide a good foundation for us. And so this morning, what we're going to be talking about is this idea of foundations. And so in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 6, we see Jesus uh, teach or preach one of his most famous sermons, and What we're coming to at the end here of Luke chapter 6 is the end of that sermon. And so, uh, I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I'm listening to a sermon, what I'll do is I'll be really engaged at the beginning. You know, it's easy to be engaged at the beginning, right? The pastor just started talking. And then, you know, maybe, you know, kind of midway through, you know, there's something kind of interesting or insightful there, so you're still, still kind of with him. But then when it gets to the end of the message... We start to tune out. We start to think about, okay, what am I going to do for lunch today? What am I going to do later on this week? What's, what's going to happen when I'm not at church anymore? And so when it gets to the end of the message, that's the moment in which we are most likely to tune out and not hear what's being said. Well, my encouragement to you this morning is please don't do that with Jesus' message here. Because at the end of Jesus' sermon, here's what he's going to ask us. He's going to ask us, okay, have you just heard this and you're going to move on? Or are you going to put these things into practice? Is this going to be life-shaping and transforming for you? Are you going to do what I've told you to do? You see, the end of a message, the end of a sermon, is really, in a lot of ways, the most important part. Because it's where the teacher asks you, to put it into practice, 
It's where you're able to sit and evaluate and ask God to show you how does this hit my heart and my life in a transformative way? What difference does this make? How am I to live differently going forward? And that's what Jesus wants us to see this morning is that there's this idea of foundations that when, we, when we're doing what Jesus has said, we are building on a good foundation. And whenever we just hear what Jesus says and then we kind of move on with life or uh, we just kind of act like nothing has changed, we're building on a shaky foundation. If you know anything about foundations, which I know very little about, you know, building and construction and such, but what I do know is that the foundation is, in, in most, if not always, the most important part. Because if your foundation is good, then the structure is solid. But if your foundation is shaky, then when the waves and the storms and the winds come, it all comes crashing down. And so Jesus wants us to build on a good foundation this morning. So turn with me to Luke chapter 6, where we're going to look at verses 46 uh, through 49 this morning. So just a few verses, but there's a lot here, and I hope that you hear Jesus asking you these things this morning. So here's what Jesus has to say at the end of this glorious message that he's just preached. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And not do what I tell you. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Would you pray with me as we ask Jesus to speak to us this morning? Lord Jesus, we come before your words this morning, and we ask that you would speak to us, that you would help us to understand God, that you would help us to listen and hear in a real, genuine way that's transformative and life-changing. God, that we would not only be hearers, but doers of your word this morning. Help it to mold our hearts and shape us and transform our actions and words. God, let spiritual roots sink down deep in us today. And let them give forth spiritual fruit. Let them change our lives, our actions, the way we interact with others. Help us, Lord, to hear and do what you've asked of us this morning. By your grace and by your power, because that's the only way we can. So God, help us. It's in your glorious, mighty name that we ask these things. Amen. Well, there's two questions I want us to look at this morning from these few verses that Jesus uh, spoke spoke to us. Uh, The first is, do you do what Jesus tells you to do? And so let's look at this for just a minute. In verse 46, here's what Jesus says. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? 
So what does that word Lord mean? What is Jesus saying about himself? Whenever, whenever he says, hey, you call me Lord, but then your actions are showing something different, what does this word Lord mean? Well, it means master. It means teacher. It means the one who, who gives wisdom that ought to be followed. A Lord is one who's in control. A Lord is one who's meant to be obeyed and followed. And so here, there's disciples, there's people who are hearing Jesus teach in the crowds, and they're, and they're saying, Lord, Lord, but then they're not actually doing what Jesus tells them to do. And Jesus says, if I'm actually Lord, if you believe that, then you would do what I tell you. But your actions are demonstrating that you don't actually believe that I'm Lord. You don't actually believe the truth about me because your actions remain the same. They remain unchanged. I remember when I was a kid, I, I did Taekwondo for several years, and uh, I actually got a black belt. You know, you'd never guess that looking at me, um, but I did get a black belt. Uh, I'm not sure how that happened, but, um, <laughs> but I did Taekwondo for several years. My stepdad owned a couple of Taekwondo schools in Missouri, and so I did Taekwondo. And periodically we would go to tournaments where you know you would perform forms and be judged and then you would spar and be judged and even there would be some weapons and such and so you would do all these things and you'd be judged and oftentimes one of the judges was not just a teacher but a master and then whenever you went to the world tournament whenever everybody kind of converged in this one same place at that at those tournaments there would be the grandmaster the guy who's above all of it and so I remember as a kid just kind of walking around and then you would see the grandmaster walk by you and immediately, you, you know, you would be at attention, you know, and, and you would be ready to respond to anything that he asked you to do. And if the grandmaster asked you to do something, there was no question, you just did it because of who he was, because you believed that he had the authority to tell you what to do. You see, this is the idea of a lord or a master. I think about uh, whenever I was watching uh, Avengers Endgame. Uh, so I don't know about you, but I, I love the Marvel movies. And so, you know, this whole quarantine thing for me has been really probably not good because I've watched Endgame probably 17 times um, just in the last couple of months. So, you know, I need to get some other movies in my life. But there's this one moment where... This character named Doctor Strange, uh, he asks this other character named Star-Lord, he says, what master do you serve? And what he's getting at there is he's saying, what is the reason for what you're doing right now? Who's behind all of this? The way you're acting right now, who, who is the reason for that? You see, when we talk about a master or a lord, we're talking about the, the person that drives what we do the person who's in control, the person to which we respond, yes. And, and we do what they ask of us. And so Jesus, he says, if you're calling me Lord, Lord, which means you really mean it, then why aren't you doing the things that I tell you? Why aren't you putting my teaching into practice? See, your actions are demonstrating that you don't actually believe that I'm Lord. 
I'm reminded of what C.S. Lewis famously said. He said, we've got three options when it comes to responding to Jesus. We have to respond to who Jesus is in some way, shape, or form. He's too important of a person for us to not know what we think about him. And so regardless of whether you're in a place where you're following Jesus this morning, you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, you've got to do something with Jesus because this one man has had an impact on world history and world events in a way that no one else ever has and no one else ever will. And so you've got to do something with who Jesus is. Well, C.S. Lewis, he said there's three ways we can understand or respond to Jesus and the claims that he makes about himself. We can either say he's a liar and those claims that he makes about himself aren't true. We can say he's a lunatic, he's just a crackpot, he's just this guy who kind of got full of himself and went crazy and then made these audacious claims about being God and being the Messiah and he's just crazy. Or if he's not a liar, if he's not crazy, then the only other option is that he is Lord. He is the master, he is the teacher, he is God come who's taken on flesh to bring about our redemption and salvation and to reconcile us to God the Father. Either Jesus is a liar, he's crazy, or he is exactly who he says he is. And if he is who he says he is, then we have no other alternative but to do what Jesus asks us to do. This is so vital for us. If Jesus is Lord God, then you and I must respond by putting his teaching into practice. You see, oftentimes we we get asked this question, do you practice what you preach? That's an important question, like are you a hypocrite? But I think even more important than that is, do you practice what Jesus preached? Is he your Lord? Is he your master? Is he your teacher? Is he your God? When Jesus tells you to do something, do you do it? Because here's the thing. If we believe in Jesus, we'll do what he says. If we know Jesus, we'll do what he says. If we love Jesus, we will do what Jesus tells us to do. If we claim to have a relationship with Christ and then we do nothing, our life looks exactly the same, then guess what? He's not our Lord. We don't belong to him. We don't know him. We don't love him if we don't do what he says. And don't hear me this morning saying that if you've ever failed or sinned after you've become a Christian that that he's not your Lord. That's not what I'm saying. Oftentimes we can struggle with kind of self-condemnation when we still struggle with remaining sin in our life that we're trying to work our way out of by God's grace. But the question is, when you look at the whole of your life, Kind of going back to a couple weeks when we looked at this idea of of roots and fruits and, and whether or not your heart is giving way to transformed actions and words. When you look at the whole of your life, what does it say about who you belong to? What's the pattern? Do you put Jesus' words into practice when you look at the whole of your life, the pattern of your life, or... Is it just something that's kind of a part of life? Where, you know, maybe when church buildings are open, you you go on Sundays. Maybe you even read your Bible on occasion or pray. But other than that, your life looks exactly the same. 
If it does, then he's probably not your Lord. So the question is, do you do what Jesus tells you to do? I mean, just over the last several weeks, we've been looking at several different ideas, right? And here's what we have to understand about understanding what Jesus has been teaching us, is that an understanding of Jesus' words leads to an obedience to Jesus' words. You see, this is, this is the, the way we have to learn to interpret the scriptures as a whole, is that when God speaks to us, it, it ought to transform the way we live our lives, our actions, and our words. If we're interpreting rightly, then that interpretation of God's words to us results in application of those words to us. It transforms actions and words. It transforms the things we do, the ways we relate to one another. Jesus, just over the last few weeks, what we've been looking at in this sermon he preached on the plane, we've been looking at the ideas of of love and what it looks like to love God and love others. We've been looking at uh, this idea of relational generosity and intelligence. We've been looking at uh, this idea of examining our own words and actions and and really getting to the core of who we are at a heart level. You see, we have to ask ourselves, do we love our neighbor as ourselves? Do we? Do we love all our neighbors, or do we just love those who look like us, who talk like us, who think like us, who agree with us? You see, right now, in the midst of the cultural, political environment that we're in, this is a key question. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Or do you just love those who think, talk, look, and act like you? Those who agree with you? Do you love those who disagree with you, who look different than you do? Gosh, I think about some of the heartbreaking things that we've, we've heard and seen over the last few weeks when it comes to racial tensions in our country. You think of cases like the Arbery case or the Taylor case here in Louisville. Are are we quick to dismiss the cries of our brothers and sisters who don't look like us? Are we quick to believe those who look like we do? When it comes to politics, are, are we quick to dismiss those who disagree with us, who land in a different party or platform than we do, or a different position on something? Are we quick to dismiss their opinions as out of hand and not actually hear what they have to say before we respond? When it comes to religion, as Christians, we ought to be known for our love for one another and for our love for unbelievers, for those who don't yet know Christ. We ought to be known for the ways in which we extend love and grace and and call them to be reconciled to God, but... When someone disagrees with us on a religious or philosophical matter, how do we actually treat them? Would they say that we love them? Or would they say that we have nothing but condemnation and criticism for them? You see, we we ought to care about sharing the gospel with those who do not yet know Christ, but if we're going about it in such a way that doesn't demonstrate that we actually love people, the people that we're sharing the gospel with, then we're not putting into practice the things that Jesus preached. 
So the question is like, do you actually love your neighbor as yourself? Or are you quick to dismiss your neighbor because they think differently than you, because they look differently than you, because they act differently than you? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Do you put that into practice in your relationships on a daily basis? We think about the other things that Jesus taught. We think about this concept of, of logs in our own eye and specks in others and how we ought to first look at ourselves and ask, where may I have gone wrong here? What, may, what might I have done that I need to repent and, and turn from? How, how can I remove the log that's in my own eye so that I can actually love others well? so that I can see clearly? Or is our life characterized by constant criticism of others with no evaluation of the ways in which we've gone wrong and sinned against God and others? Are you relationally generous? Do you extend grace and forgiveness or are you constantly judging and condemning and criticizing? Do you do this with your family members? That, that family member that's it's hard for you to get along with them, are you constantly criticizing them? Or are you extending the same grace that God has extended towards you and seeking out a reconciled relationship with them, just like God has sought with you? What does this look like in your life? Are you putting these things into practice? See, Luke, he, he writes about these teachings of Jesus in such a way that it, it should cause us to examine ourselves. Luke's primary goal with the way he crafts this, this sermon of Jesus, the way he tells it to us, it, he's not trying to write in such a way to get us to examine the lives of others. That's not his primary concern. He's trying to get us to examine our own hearts, our own lives, our own actions and words. Luke and Jesus, the one who originally spoke these words, they want us to ask these things of ourselves. So when Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you, that's his question for us, friends. Do you do what Jesus tells you to do? That's the first thing that we've got to ask. That is the question to ask in response to a sermon, especially a sermon from Christ, is do we do what the Lord, what the master, what the teacher says? And here's our second question. Second question is, what foundation is your life built upon? Here's what Jesus says. He says, after he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? In verse 47, he goes on and he says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them. So he says, here's what it's going to look like if you're doing my words. If you're not just a hearer of the word, but a doer. As James says, he says, I'll show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. So he says, those who put my words into practice, they've got a good foundation they're building on. A foundation that doesn't shift or move. It's rock solid, it stays put. He says, and when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Notice that past tense there. 
Jesus says, because it had been well built. So Jesus is talking about uh, our ability to stand when the waves and the winds come. It's based on what we've been doing. Are we putting his words into practice now? That's what determines whether you're going to be able to stand when the storms of life come. See, Jesus, he's talking about two things here. There's two things that building on a good foundation helps us to stand in the midst of. One is the storms of life, is tragedies and suffering, is heartbreak and sorrow is when we're in the midst of a global pandemic and we've lost our job, we've lost a loved one, or somebody's sick, or we're sick, or our, our marriage is struggling. Whatever, whatever the storms of life look like for you, I don't know what it looks like. Only you do, only you and God. But when the storms of life come, if we've been building on a good foundation up to that point, that's what helps us stand when the wind and the waves crash against us. The second thing that building on a good foundation helps us to stand in the midst of is judgment. Here's the sobering truth of the scriptures that they proclaim is that one day we will stand before God and we will give an account for our life. One day we'll stand before God and the question will be, did we believe Jesus is who he says he is and did we follow him? Did we do what he asked us to do? Or did we continue to go our own way? Did we continue to rebel against God? Did we continue to sin against him and against others around us? The question is gonna be, do we belong to God through Christ, through what Christ has done for us on our behalf on the cross and in his resurrection, are we reconciled to God or are we not? And if we're not, then the result is judgment. We will stand before God, the only true and just judge. You see, when we look around at our world today, we see injustice in all kinds of places. But when we stand before God, we'll stand before the one judge who is always judged rightly, who always judges with truth. He he is always right, he always does what is right. He never has done a wrong, and nor will he ever do wrong. And we'll stand before him one day, and the question is, or the question this morning is, what foundation will we have built our lives upon? Do we build our lives upon the foundation of Christ and and doing what Jesus has, has taught us to do, or do we just hear and let it go in one ear and out the other? Because that's the difference, right? The difference in in hearing and listening is action. Wives, parents, how many of you know this out there? That the, the difference, the way you know when someone has heard what you've asked them to do, 
is their actions, right? When you tell your kids to do something, the way that you know if they've heard you is if they go do it or not. And if they don't do it, if they go their own way, if they go do what they want to do, then you know that they haven't actually heard you. They haven't actually listened to you. That they're not believing about you, who you actually are in their life. That you're the parent, that you're the one in control, that you're the one that's able to tell them what they need to be doing. That's the same kind of question we've got to ask ourselves. Is do we do what Jesus tells us to do? And then if the answer is yes, then here's what we know about the foundation we're building our lives on, is that it's rock solid, is that it doesn't shift and break, that it stays in place. And it helps us to stand when the storms of life come and in the, at the end of days when we stand before God, we'll be able to stand before him because we stand there in Christ and what Jesus has done for us, and that we've allowed that gospel truth to shape and transform our hearts in such a way that it transforms our actions and the way we live our lives, the way we speak with other people. We have to ask ourselves, what foundation are we building our lives on? And I said, notice that this was past tense, that Jesus says, that when the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. And so he's talking about what, what this man has been doing. And so when that storm comes, the question's gonna be not what are you starting to do then, but what had you been doing to prepare? Because listen, storms come Maybe you're in the midst of a storm right now and, and maybe you haven't been preparing. I encourage you to, to throw yourself on God's mercy and grace and, and rest in Christ because he is the only one who can walk you through it. But the way in which we prepare for the coming storms in life, because they will come, they do come, is we put into practice the things that Jesus preached. We do the things that Jesus asks us to do. It builds us up. And those times in between storms, they're, they're not just about R&R, rest and relaxation. Those times in between storms when life isn't hard, those are moments of preparation. Those are times in which we have to ask ourselves these questions. Because those are the times in which we can really look at some things in life and build on a solid foundation so that when those storms come, we're prepared and we're standing in Christ and in the things that he's asked of us. So what have you been building on? What are you building on now? You have to ask those questions. You see, the, the way that we can build on this solid foundation is by hearing Jesus' words and actually listening so that it transforms what we do. We have to live differently. James says, and I won't read that passage, but you can go read it later. He says that faith without works, it's dead, it's useless. 
So Paul, Paul says in Ephesians 2 that we're saved by God's grace through faith in Christ. He says that's how we're saved. That's how we're reconciled to God. It's a work that God does by his grace that we just believe and receive. So you can't reconcile yourself to God by the things that you do. But here's what Paul even says and what James says is that that kind of saving faith that reconciles us to God when we believe what Jesus has done for us, it spills forth into transformed actions. It changes what we do so that what we can say then is that faith, genuine saving faith, faith works. It does things. It spills forth into actions and words that are different than before. Paul in Ephesians 2, you can go read it later, but here's what he says. He says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is the gift of God, not of your own works so that you wouldn't boast, but then he, he goes on in, in verse 10 of that chapter, and he says that the reason God has done this, has saved us by grace through faith in Christ, the reason he's done this is because he's prepared good works for us to walk in. He has planned for us to be transformed by his grace so that we would do good, godly things. And so when Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you, and then talks about building a foundation, even through our actions and putting his words into practice, it's not this contrary message to the one we've been believing in that's by grace through faith. It is the result of actually believing that message. That if we believe we're reconciled to God by his grace through faith, that's the way we receive it, then that transforms what we do. It makes us different. It causes us to start building life on a different foundation, the bedrock of Christ and all that he's taught us to do. So this, these are the questions, friends. Do you do what Jesus tells you to do? And what foundation are you building your life upon? And friends, now is the time of preparation. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day in which you ask these hard questions. You don't wait for the storm to come. You don't wait for the day of judgment to come. You ask them now. Wherever God's got you this morning, in your living room, sitting on that sofa, sitting in your recliner, maybe you're watching and you're making breakfast or lunch for the kids and you've just kind of in the background just going, wherever you're at this morning, ask yourself these questions. Now is the time of preparation. Now is the day in which God is going to prepare you for the storms that are coming and for the end of days when you'll stand before him. And if you put Jesus' words into practice, if you actually believe that he is Lord, you will. And it will transform your life so that when the storms come and when you stand before God one day, you'll stand in Christ.
So ask yourself these two questions. Do you do what Jesus tells you to do? And what foundation are you building your life on? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning knowing that we can only stand before you because of what Jesus has done. I pray for my friends who have not yet believed Jesus' claims about himself. God, would you let them know your great, great love for them this morning? Would you call them to trust in your son, to believe that he is who he says he is? Would you remove any hurdles that are keeping them from that? Would you reconcile them to yourself? God, I pray for myself and my friends who are trusting in Christ, who do believe that Jesus is Lord. God, would you help us to put into practice the things that Jesus preached, the things that he taught us? Would you continue to teach us and would you show us, would you give us your wisdom for how to put them into practice this morning? And, and the rest of today and the rest of our week and the rest of our lives, would you show us, would you help us by your Spirit's power to hear and understand in a way that transforms our actions and words? God, I'm reminded of, of all the things that James, your servant, wrote in his letter and how really he just kind of expounds on these ideas that Jesus taught and he shows us some ways to apply them and, and helps us begin to think through how we apply Jesus' words. So maybe today, God, you would just stir our hearts to read through James's letter and that you would show us the ways in which we've not been putting these things into practice, that you would help us to see the ways in which we should and the ways in which we can. God, give us the strength to do so. Help us to listen and do the things you've told us to do and to build our lives on that solid foundation of Christ and his teaching. So God, we look to you. We ask for your help and for your grace to do these things. And we ask these things in the mighty, beautiful, saving name of Jesus Christ. Amen.